Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Cats and cat owners deserve better than any old-fashioned litter. That's why I teamed up with scientists and veterinarians to create Pretty Litter. Its innovative crystal formula has superior odor control and weighs up to 80% less than clay litter. Pretty Litter even monitors health by changing colors to help detect early signs of potential illness. It's the world's smartest kitty litter. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with PlushCare. PlushCare accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at PlushCare.com slash weight loss. That's PlushCare.com slash weight loss. PlushCare.com slash weight loss. Hello, welcome to Blizzard Watch, the podcast where we watch Blizzard like the Eye of Argus, the all-seeing, all-knowing bird that Hera used to spy on her husband, which is why, you know, peacocks have eyes in their tails, according to Greek. I don't know why I felt the need to bring that up today, but I'm in a Greek myth mood, and so I did. With me this week are two amazing, very knowledgeable about cable companies co-hosts. First up, she writes just about everything and is constantly around, always watching, and she's never missed a podcast, to my knowledge. Um, Ann Stickney. Peacocks are actually kind of um, interesting. Jerks? Yeah, yeah. Now, um, do you guys know that Hampton Court in England has peacocks? Well, I used to work, I used to, I had a job at one point at the San Diego Zoo, and when you walked in the front, there were always peacocks all over the place, along with all, like, there's the bird place where all the waterfowl and stuff are hanging out, they got the cranes and things like that, and then in the road, and right as you walk in, there's just peacocks walking around, like, yeah, but they th just don't care. There, there's ones in England, I went to, a, like, a, a manor house, kind of very similar to, like, you know, it was, it was one of the Seymour's houses. It's it's fairly famous, and they have peacocks just out on the grounds, wandering about, uh, walking up to people and screaming at them very loudly. Right. Uh, yeah. It's, the, pe it's, peacocks are the honey badgers of the bird kingdom. It's like that. Like I said, it was like that at the zoo where they were just walking around and people could walk up to them. There was this one though that every day, because there's tour buses that go through the zoo, right? Those big tour buses, they drive around the zoo and point out everything, and um, the point at which they leave the front area, like people load up up front and then they go around a corner and down into the zoo proper. And there was this one peacock who, and I don't know if he's still there or maybe the bus hit him. <laughs> I don't know. But every time he knew when the tour buses were going because he would stroll right in front of the bus's path. And of course the bus has to stop. And then the peacock would turn around and fan his tail out so everybody could just, you know, see how gorgeous and wonderful he was. And he'd stay like that for a good five minutes waiting for people to take his photos before casually sauntering out of the way. It was like clockwork every day. He was a jerk. Also with us this week is Alex Zebart. Alex, the editor-in-chief of the site. Have you been menaced by any large birds recently? Peacocks? Uh, no, I do have a peacock story. Yes, uh, tell it, when tell I, it. When I was young, when in grade school, my best friend was a dude who had pretty recently immigrated from Poland. Um, he, was, he came over when he was in grade school, so he hadn't been in the U.S. for very long. Um, one day, he was just like, man... I miss Poland. I really miss chasing peacocks across the rooftops. And I was just like, what? <laughs> Is that what you do in Poland as like a leisure activity? You just get on the roof and chase peacocks from rooftop to rooftop? Like I believe Assassin's it. Assassin's Creed with yeah, peacocks? Yeah, Assassin's Creed with peacocks. Yeah, I was just going to say that, but I was taking the <laughs> Apparently that was their leisure activity as small children is to jump across the roofs chasing peacocks. I believe it. They're obnoxious. So yeah, Poland, uh, you're weird. I don't know how I got us to this peacock thing, quite frankly. 
I just, you know, it's, it's what happened. But uh, we should probably talk about the top stories of the week. Um, one of them, I, 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 I'm, I'm personally pretty happy about this one, but it's the the new Overwatch story came out this week, the uh, holiday comic. And what do you guys think? Do you guys read it yet? That just came out like a few hours ago, actually, yeah. um, called Reflections. And it was great. It was super great. I loved it to pieces. I love the artwork, the the uh, artist that they got working on the comic this time around. Um, and I forget his name. I think it, Mickey Montalo. Um, it's a German. I don't know. Um, I looked up the artist's website and it looked like a German website. So I'm not sure if that's where the artist is from, but they do top notch work. This was a really pretty comic. I was very happy with it. Yeah, Alex, yeah. did you get a uh, chance to read it? Yeah, I did get a chance to read it. And like the, all the character stuff in it is amazing. Like every, most characters in the game get these little details about their backstory and their life outside of overwatch and uh tracer's gay yes canon confirmed yeah at the least Um, she's bi but it doesn't seem to be the case seems straight up gay and quite frankly not only is it about time but people who are freaking out about this it does not affect you in the slightest right um i think you know people the people who are happy are happy because blizzard like when they announced overwatch was like yeah there's definitely gay characters in this game but it's been like two years since they said that and people are like all right are you just gonna say it or are you gonna tell us or Where show us or actually receipts, do something with Blizzard? it come on like you, know? you can't yeah. just say that and then but have nothing to back it up like you, it's it's meaningless until it's there and now that it's finally there and people know and it's coming to the story is cool yeah i i just i can't really even say why i think it's great because I, there's a million reasons but one of the reasons I think it's great is because, quite frankly, I've been like reading a lot of people writing testimonials about other comic book characters that they've that have helped them in their lives. Um, the Supergirl TV show has a, a gay character on it, and one girl actually said that it helped her figure out who she was and kept her from committing suicide. And I think representation is huge right now. It's very important, and having Tracer. It, it's a big step for Blizzard, and it's a it's a good thing. And if it, and it really the best part about it is it does not hurt you at all. If if you are not interested in that, cool, don't be, because you know it doesn't affect the gameplay in the slightest. It doesn't change the character in any significant way. If, if all you want to do is go and completely ignore the payload, then you can completely ignore the payload just like you were before. You can just run around shooting people and not pay attention to the objectives just fine. Yeah, so, like your ability to gank people at tracer like doesn't diminish she doesn't suddenly have some kind of different gay bullets that behave differently in the game it's exactly amazingly physics works the same <laughs> yeah so what yeah what the hell is a gay bullet <laughs> i don't know <laughs> that's the point really okay but yeah that's that's big and here's what i love about this comic right yeah i was actually gonna ask here's what i love about this comic i love that we're getting this background look into almost no, actually, I think every single character, every single character in the cast made some kind of appearance, whether it was actually through the panels in the story or like little background stuff in the panels. Like you saw Diva, she was doing some kind of Christmas special thing. May Farrah's was dad is Canadian. Yeah, Farah's dad is apparently Canadian or at least whoever that was that she was meeting. Now, it could be her dad or it could be her significant other. We don't know. But I think she's other. She dates dating, a Canadian. Like- Regardless, they're Canadian. Because that was a pretty old fella. Well, hello. He could be a silver fox. You never know. Alex, I'm Maybe 45. she's into that. I don't know. The you back of his nothing. head didn't seem very attractive to me. <laughs> well, no one asked you, man. Re- regardless, uh, they were in Canada. Because if you looked on the TV screen behind them, there was a hockey game going on with the Canadian flag. So there were like these little subtle details in there. There was a billboard that said that Lucio was going to be having some kind of New Year's Eve performance somewhere. So music performance uh symmetra appeared on the cover of a magazine that didn't really have any other details with it or anything like that but um the panels the panels were interesting to me because i at first i thought that that was all of reinhardt's assorted children and grandchildren great grandchildren what have you no the overwatch account confirmed on twitter those are all torbjorn's kids torbjorn was the one there in the santa suit with his wife next to him and all of those children are his Okay, you're saying this like, like it's 
David Attenborough narrating a native <laughs> documentary. And here in the There's wild, like 20 it's kids there. It is many children. Like... As the patriarch of the clan, Torbjorn <laughs> will hold off many rivals to continue siring his children across. The... Like... There were so many. There were so many kids. And there yeah. are, I counted there are eight plus a cat. Okay, eight kids plus a cat. That's quite the family. And we didn't know anything about Torbjorn also, at all. Torbjorn looks like he's 75 and his wife looks like 30. Yeah. Okay. Well, maybe. Why do you have problems with this? Like, Alex Seabart is coming out against the Look, thing. ageism is a thing, Alex. Come on. Why are these old guys scoping out? <laughs> Look, um. Beyond that, though, there was that panel with Reaper that I found particularly intriguing because he's in an alley. He's on his knees in an alley. And that was really weird to me. It's like he's just sort of lurking in an alley there watching this group. It's like this lady and a man and their kid. And there's no indication of who these people are exactly. It's just Reaper's watching them. Um, And I've heard all kinds of theories about who these people are. Uh and then let's see we had there were like two panels and one of them was a shot of genji writing a letter with a quill and then down in the other corner was mercy reading a letter that had a quill with it so it's assumed that genji was writing a letter to mercy and she got it which i thought was that was kind of sweet um hanzo for some reason was in a panel it looked like he was ordering a cake and there was some sort of kid in the background and the kid was really confusing to me because i'm like is that hanzo's child or did he just find a kid and say hi i'm gonna buy you some cake because it's the holidays yeah. or what's know, going on there <laughs> i know that's it that, that's the japanese christmas cake is i it? know that okay. yes it's the it's like the round sponge cake with like a ring of strawberries that's the japanese christmas cake but um know. that panel tasty. doesn't tell us a lot about hanzo no. like i don't know exactly but he was like his outfit was a little different too, and I didn't quite get the significance of the outfit. But I'm sure there's something going on there. Um, also, we had McCree passed out in a bar with Sombra in the background, so apparently the two of them are hanging out, which was odd. Um, the thing I really liked about Tracer, though, was that Tracer's girlfriend is not in Overwatch. She's not affiliated with Overwatch in any way, as far as we know. She's just a lady. Which is cool, because I love it when you get these moments. Um, I liked it back in uh, Civil War. Was it Civil War? I think it was Civil War. When they went to go hide out at Hawkeye's place. And they were like, whoa. Age of Ultron. Yeah, Age of Ultron. I'm sorry. Okay, Age of Ultron. They went to go hang out at his place. And they're like, whoa, wait. You have a wife? You have kids? Who are these people? And you don't know, because it was all very like low-key. And I and I love that that the, it's like they've got their work relationships, but then they've got like their family on the side who don't really have anything. It's not, I don't know. It just makes them seem more real. Is that is that Anna in the Soldier seventy six panel? Yes. Yeah. Okay, that's really weird. She's hanging out with him. Uh, well, they met these... up with each other in that comic, so apparently they're still hanging out. Yeah, I think like if I understand like. In game, all the Overwatch members know Anna's there, obviously, because you're playing with her. But, like, in the comics, not everybody knows. And Soldier 76 knows. So, like, the two old fogies who are supposed to be dead but aren't are hanging out together. Oh, you got a problem with that, Alex? No. I was waiting for you to be all, how dare also, old people even be with old in, people? Old in, the, people in, the, die. in the panel with uh, Reinhardt and uh, Torbjorn's tribe, there's also Reinhardt's, like, squire or whatever from the Reinhardt comic. Yeah, she's there. So that's another like comic exclusive side character and not somebody in the game. I just it had all of these little vignettes and I loved all of these little vignettes. Also, um, Winston in an ugly Christmas sweater. I didn't know that I needed to see that until I saw it. And then I'm like, yeah, <laughs> I'm just excited for the eventual scene where Farah and her dad slash boyfriend, whatever he is, uh, go to Timmy's and get themselves, you know, a, a, a chocolate, a hot chocolate coffee mix and some donuts because that's what you do. That is go what to what? Timmy's. Oh, to Canadians know what it is. You know, you know, don't say the you don't say the whole thing. You just say Timmy's. Okay, well, I don't know if you knew this or not, Rossi. I know but you're not I'm Canadian. in America. <laughs> yeah, I know where you are. <laughs> this is just for the Canadians. It's just a thing for them. Yeah. But no, it's, I honestly think this is really nice um, for a lot of reasons. I like it because it humanizes the characters. I like it because it sets up connections that might be played on later. Um, I like it because it, it kind of shows the whole expanding the universe beyond the game. Because Overwatch as a game doesn't necessarily 
do the best job or even exist to do the best job of conveying the lore of the universe that they've created. No, it's, it's why it's I got think they should to do with it. It's kind of like a side thing. That's why I honestly think they should do like a, a roguelike game either in using either, either a Starcraft ghost or an overwatch roguelike. Cause I think there's a lot of potential there. Something like Assassin's Creed or the Thief series, but with, you know, those characters. Assassin's Creed, but with peacocks. But that we already have. Yeah. That, Alex Poland, just apparently. Stories, you know? <laughs> yeah. Also, um, um, okay, what were you going to say? Yeah, I, I, was looking, I just had the comic open because I went to count Torbjorn's kids. Um, in the Hanzo panel, it looks like he's putting something on the cake, and that's what I don't understand about what's happening there. Like, he's putting a giant Oreo on top of it or something. I don't, I don't know what's happening. Wait, he's putting an Oreo on the cake? <laughs> it looks like he's laying a black disc on top of it, like between the strawberries, and I don't know what that is. Okay, hang on. I have to go see this now. Oh, wait. Or like he dropped his cell phone in the cake? No, it looks like a disc, some kind of disc. He's just putting a big disc on the cake. He's like, yep, this is a cake, all right. And the kid in the background, just like the expression on the kid's face. Like, the kid doesn't understand what's going on. Um, I, it won't let me zoom in on things for some reason, so I can't really look any closer. Can we talk about the Widowmaker panel? Yes. Because sure. that one seems to be um, pretty important, too. She's at her husband's grave. Um, Which is uh, contrary to her bluster about not caring about poor Gerard anymore. Supposedly she doesn't have a heart or anything, but apparently she does, because she went to his grave and there's a rose on it. Presumably she put that there, so... Maybe there is some some tinge of regret. I think that might be his phone or a wallet or something. I'm not sure. I can't tell. I can't see what that is. He's just thing. dropping his he's, wallet on the cake. He's just casually putting his wallet in the cake. Well, no, because the, the cake is in a glass display. He's not. He can't yeah, but the cake. There are strawberries both in the foreground and background around the thing he's placing on it. Uh, I don't. I don't know what to tell you, man. It doesn't. It's like there was a topper on the cake or something, and he's pulling it off. I don't know. Good question. Okay, we haven't even talked about Junkrat and Roadhog. <laughs> <laughs> Whatever they're doing. They're just being Junkrat and Roadhog. Like, they're not doing anything they haven't done before. Like, we've learned nothing. It's Christmas! Except they, we've learned nothing except that they are still Junkrat and Roadhog. Cut to another, cut to another like, the Arbor Day comic. Woohoo! Still Junkrat and Roadhog blowing things up. Cut to the Christmas, the, the, the Halloween comic. Woohoo! It's basically just them all the time. Yeah. I, I like their car, and I'm trying to figure out what park that is. It's some park that ends with an N.A., and it has a very distinctive-looking gate. And if we know anything about Overwatch, they seem to be really keen on using real-world locations for things. So I've been trying to, like, rack my brain and figure out where they are. Because <laughs> they're somewhere. I don't know where. But, yeah. All right, we've probably talked about this comic book as much as needs to be said. Yeah, um, you should go read it. Um, there's the regular version. There is a Made Fire version available as well. Both of them are in the news post that I posted a little while ago. So go look at it. Also this week, um, this one's kind of a niche one. It's mostly for Warcraft fans. But Trial of Valor saw a serious nerfing. Like a serious nerfing. It got like all sorts of nerfs. Um, to nerf the ground! Health on ads, health on bosses, the whole thing. It was... Pretty substantial. Uh, I'm not entirely sure. Like, was it that overtuned? I mean, it seems like people were killing it. But, you know, yeah, I, they nerfed it. They nerfed it hard. I mean, part of me thinks this actually presages that we'll get 715, like, really right after the holidays. Part of me thinks that the, that the only reason that they would do that is they want more people to kill it before 715 drops. I'm thinking than, that it's probably because um, Nighthold is coming out on the 17th of January. Yeah. So they just want to usher everybody through Trial of Valor while, I don't Whilst know. Whilst it's still relevant, I suppose. While it's still relevant, yeah. Might as well. well. It'll still be relevant when that whole comes out. Cause it's, right, uh, but don't well. they do this with, like, every raid tier, really? It's like just before the next one comes out, they really nerf down the one prior to it just I'm so everybody say, can get through. I'm, I'm not sure I don't recall seen... that because they didn't do it in Warlords, but then again, Warlords is kind of a special case in that they had that really staggered raid release schedule. and It was weird. Uh, itemization was In Mists of Pandaria they did, though. Do you remember? Yeah, uh... I, think it's, I think it's been a while since they did such, like, massive direct nerfs. All at once, they had, um, uh, what did they call it, where it was like, it wasn't, they didn't hotfix any nerfs, but, like, over time, the bosses oh, I know what you're talking about weaker. Like, like in um like it was uh I want to say Dragon Soul they had the persistent like there everything was the got, buff. yeah like but I remember Dragon Soul and uh, ICC did it 
ICC yeah. had it as a buff that you got that got stronger every week until it hit the maximum level. And yeah. it was like 30%. You, you, everybody had 30% more health and did 30% more damage or something like that. Yeah, and Dragon they did Soul it, did the same thing, didn't it? Didn't Dragon Soul do it the other way around? Like it made everything weaker by like that amount? I think like, so. But I think, um, I know, I don't know if it did it with ICC, but I know with, I know with Dragon Soul, if you talk to somebody, you could turn it off and you could go ahead and do it like the you way it's always been. You can absolutely turn it off in ICC. Can you? Okay. Yeah, you go up All and right. talk to either Garage or Var- Varian. Okay. And, and you try not to tell them that it, they, they shouldn't get too comfortable. Uh, <laughs> Garage, don't go to Nagrand ever. And Varian. Just don't go there. Don't go Varian, there. Varian, stay off boats. Actually, no, boats are fine. Stay airships. off airships. Just don't go. And, don't go. Yeah, airships are not good for you. Because um, they're a ridiculous concept. Don't do it. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, so. I think the last time, the first time I remember it was Sunwell. They had the Sunwell Radiance thing, which they had to put in because they'd made tanks so ridiculous that. Oh, yeah. It was actually I remember it actually, that. It actually nerfed tanks. Yeah. Because yeah. tanks, their dodge was so ridiculously high, especially bear druids, that nothing could hit them. So that that's the first time they ever adjusted a raid. Like, But that was the opposite. That was making it harder. Um, but ICC is the first one like this. But the, yeah. And yeah. I think it's recently of Siege of Orgrimmar. It had a thing where, like, it wasn't. Didn't Signature Orgrimmar have, like, it wasn't you got stronger, but the bosses got weaker or something? It was a debuff on them versus a buff yeah. on you. You were just in there, weren't we? Was it there? I, I don't yeah. remember. Yeah, I, I remember seeing yeah. it. Um, so, generally, when they just kind of want to, like, rush people through it to the next one, they in recent history, they've been doing stuff like that. It's been a while since they've been like, okay, everything is 25% weaker. Just across yeah, the board. Yeah, just across the board like this. This these nerfs are pretty substantial. And I am su- I am surprised at them, but as you pointed out, Nighthold is in the middle of January. Uh they definitely want to start rolling this out. So they want to kinda usher people through there that haven't necessarily been able to make it all the way through there and let them do it before the next one comes out. It makes I think sense. I, And Charlotte I, Valor is such a side read anyway. Yeah. Yeah. It's like it's two bosses, so three. I mean three. Yeah, Garm. I always forget Garm. <laughs> uh, but yeah, it's, it's you know it's it's Odin yet again proving yourself to Odin. Seriously, Odin, if you don't believe in me by now, I I I can't help you. I, I've done everything to, to the ground. I have done things. It's I like have, emotionally abusive at this point. Yeah, he really. The fact that we end up killing Helia and not not necessarily the the end goal for me, man. That wasn't what I the wanted. The final boss of Legion is going to be Odin. But you don't have to fight him. You just have to prove yourself. Yeah, you just have to prove. No, no. This time you actually have to like go like kill him. Make because me not a not because he's threatening the world or anything like that, but just because you're really tired of his monkey business. No, the worst part is it's gonna be him demanding that you make him a cake, and then Nomi shows up and ruins the cake, and you're like, ah. <laughs> no, it's okay. It's burnt offerings, but it's level five. Anyway. Prove yourself worthy of catering my birthday party. Oh. No. Anyway, all right. So yeah, that's that's going on this week. Um, also, Winter Vale hit. It's now officially. Is it live yet? And wow, because I honestly I haven't paid attention. Yeah, Where's... it's live. Um, yeah. there's some new stuff. There's like a few new rewards. I think there's like a couple of new toys that are coming out. Obviously, there's going to be a new thing to get under the tree. Um, I I believe it's a replica of May's gun from Overwatch. Cool. Or something like that. Something close to that. And then um, snow globes. Snow globes have appeared in the cities. And if you walk into the snow globe, you get turned into a gnome and you can float. I I... hate them so much. (laughs) I was waiting for that. Because I've been playing my warlock, my livestream warlock, and the globe in Dalaran is in front of the sewer where you access and exit the warlock class hall. So you're constantly a gnome. You're constantly a gnome. It dismounts you if, like, you're just trying to go straight to the sewer or come straight out of the sewer. Uh, it's just annoying. Like, you can go around it, but, well, until it was there, I could just walk a straight line. See, for me, it didn't really... I mentioned that you could go around it, and I I think I told you this on Twitter, and then somebody else, another warlock, pointed out that in order to go around it, you had to go all the way around it. Like, they, they approached it as coming from the other direction. I always go in that entrance when I'm already in the transmog building, so it's not really out of the way to go around it for me. <laughs> yeah, no, for the Warlock, like, every time you go to your class hall, you have to go down that sewer. So, like, every time you leave or go in, you're running around that thing. It's kind and, of an inconvenient location. Yeah, I will admit really that. Is. 
Yeah, like it's a minor annoyance, but you go through have to go through it enough times, you start getting really irritated. I'll bet you it was a mage that set that up. Yeah, that makes sense. Of course, because they got beef with warlocks. I haven't even like looked at the Winter Veil this year. I've like, but I've I've actually been playing my hunter, which has you know been fun, but it's been all focusing on my hunter. So, if you missed out on the um, what was it, Grumpus? Is that what it was called? The The mount was it the the one that's at your garrison? Yeah, there was a mount last year that you could get. Um from that one boss in Frostfire, you can go back. That event is still there. You can go and try and farm for the mount again if you missed it somehow last year. So that is still available. Um, And yeah, I think that's about it for Wintervale. I mean, there aren't any like major, major overhauls or anything. The other thing uh, that's interesting is apparently the Grinch that you go kill, it scales to your level now, just like all of the bosses, like the bosses in the pre-legion event thing did so if you have a level 20 or whatever and you want to go fight the grinch you can go do that now it'll scale blizzard, down to you blizzard do that for every holiday boss yeah i think that they should <laughs> honestly i think that they should that is an amazingly good idea do that for every holiday boss do i it. wish they'd do that with the instance bosses too like the uh, headless horseman and things so that yes, everybody could every just much. queue for them Especially the ones like the Headless Horseman and Harley Barley Brew or whatever his name is, Dire Brew. Dire Corn Dire Brew. Yeah, guy. Make him make them all scale. That's absolutely what you if have they, to If they do. keep it up, I would be like I would be really happy if they would actually keep that up and keep doing that because that lets everybody, you know, play it on as many alts as they want. Or if they aren't quite leveled up to max level just yet, they can still go do the holiday content, which is great. Yeah, it's win win. Yep. So I think at this point we should probably move on to emails. Um, if you have an email for us here at the show, please send it to podcast at blizzardwatch.com. If you can, absolutely try and put like a you know header in there telling us it's for the main podcast and not for Lorewatch because that helps us all out. It helps Ann out. It helps me out. It's really good if you can do that. And, uh, you know, some of you guys really doing a good job on the keeping the email short. So thank you guys very much for that. It's very helpful. Uh, as is usually the case, Anne's going to read them for us. So if you take can, take it away, Anne. Okay, our first email is from Klug. Hey, Klug. Or Klug. I, I like Klug. He, he's he's real now a few times. Anyway, he says, greetings, watchers. Besides druids, if your favorite classes could get a fourth spec, what would they be? Keep up the great work, Klug. Short and sweet. What I want Alex to talk first. In most cases, I think having three specs is too many. Really? So I would not suggest a fourth spec for most classes. Expand yeah, on that. Let's take the Demon Hunter example, right? So they, when they were making the Demon Hunter, they're like, well, we, we can concentrate the coolness if we go down to two talent trees. You can take all these awesome tools and abilities and skills and everything awesome, and like you don't have to spread them across three specs and then come up with filler to fill out the spec. Like That's ultimately what it would have been. And for a lot of classes, I feel like that's just kind of the way it is. Like, I don't think the three rogue specs are interesting enough to be compelling choices. No, that's they aren't. Personally, like... There's always that one rogue spec that's never quite as good as the other two, so nobody plays it. Yeah, so there's, like, there's combat and, or outlaw now, and assassination and subtlety. And assassination, assassination and subtlety pretty much sound like the same thing, and I don't find them particularly distinct, uh... And like assassination, speaking as somebody who played assassination in, well, I don't know, forever, um, assassination from Warlords to Legion really didn't change all that much. There weren't really any major huge shifts or anything to look at. Um, nothing really exciting happened. It's just, it's the same as it always is. You get daggers, you stab things with them, poisons are involved, the end. Um, yeah. And subtly, to me, it's like, why not boil the two of them down together? Honestly, I, I don't know why you wouldn't. Because you don't... <sighs> For the longest time, it was like assassination and combat were the PvE specs, right? And subtlety was considered the PvP spec. That was the spec du jour if you were playing PvP. And it's changed and it's shifted over time. But that was the mindset originally for a lot of people was okay subtlety is a thing that you go pvp with well since pvp is kind of its own separate thing now anyway and you don't need specific pvp weapons or pvp armor to go do it well that means that subtlety is just sort of sitting there not exactly the special princess snowflake and assassination is sitting there not exactly the special princess snowflake meanwhile outlaw is supposedly the new hotness or whatever but 
aside from a few gimmicks, like gimmicky things, like I love the grappling hook and that kind of thing. It it does it just doesn't feel really out there. Yeah. Rogue as a whole is kind of lackluster for me. Yeah, Rogue it totally feels one of those situations where like we have too many specs. They're too similar. Uh, I see where you're coming from. Come though. up with some crap to fill it out. Yeah, I see where you're coming from. Where you're like, or, um, could be condensed because it could yeah. be from or from like an aesthetic standpoint. I find the way mage talent trees are set up is really weird. Where you can be really fire, or frost, or arcane. Because it's like when you look at in most generally the powerful mages in World of Warcraft or Warcraft in general, when they're in game, I think Jaina just uses frost, but the other ones like Cadgar, he uses everything. So, like, mastery over the arcane is using all of these elements together well, and, and Kale, making, like... Kael'thas yeah. is primarily fire. And then, so it's like, well, you can just be good at one of them. <laughs> you can't have the other ones. Uh, mages can only be one element. And it's like, oh, that's kind of sad. Well, basically it sounds like what you're saying is instead of having arcane be, like, a weird speck of arcaniness, it should be the generalist who can't pulls from everything. That would, I think that would be fun. You yeah. see, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to start talking now just because alex has been going for a bit please do um i don't agree that all classes shouldn't have that have too many specs i want to say straight up i think warriors could easily have a fourth spec and maybe even a fifth spec because right now we have the spec that uses one big two-handed weapon the spec that uses two big two-handed weapons and the sword and shield spec and it feels really strange to me and I feel like um, one of the reasons I, I, I'm upset about it is because we had a really good thing in Warlords. Like, one of the best talents ever designed in Gladiator's Resolve. It was, it turned Prot into a multi-tier spec where you could be offensive or defensive. And I loved it. I thought it was the best design choice they'd made in 12 years. Really? Yeah, it was. It, it didn't necessarily put put your DPS up to the point where you were rating as DPS, although some people did. Some people straight up rated as prot DPS warriors in in Warlords. Not very long. It didn't hold up, but it was really nice to see the flexibility. And one of the things that was great about it was it meant a tank class that didn't have to do anything but switch to a stance and could farm like a DPS class. I mean, were they as good? No, they weren't. They never their DPS was never better than a dedicated DPSer, but it was good enough and it was a lot more flexible. And I loved seeing it because it meant you had people who could play the style they wanted to play. I want to be a a, short, a sword and shield warrior, but I want to do everything I can do in the game. Okay? You want and meanwhile, Fury had Titan's grip and it had single-minded fury. If you wanted to use two-handed weapons, you could. And we lost that flexibility with artifacts because they wanted to give us, you know, the super awesome cool weapon, but they didn't want to like have two artifacts for one spec. And I got that, but I didn't like how it turned out. So if I were designing warriors right now, if someone just gave me a magic wand and said, you can design the class however you want, I would put in a fourth spec and I would make it the gladiator. And it would basically be offensive sword and shield or offensive to one handed weapons. And it would basically mean that if you wanted to play in one of those two styles that people wanted to play in as warriors, you could. Because warriors don't play the way, like, you you were talking about rogues and you are talking about assassination versus subtlety versus uh, combat. Where it's not necessarily different weapons, although combat uses swords right now and, you know, outlaw, assassination. Outlaw, yeah. Yeah, outlaw, sorry. They, they play differently, but it's still, like, subtlety is still using daggers, right? It's still basically guy with daggers, even when you're subtlety. Yeah. Yep. With warriors, it really is all about weapon choice because there's nothing else, you know, everything else is big armor, same thing, charging at people. The difference is in weapon choice. And right now, arms and fury don't feel different enough. I mean, they, they have different moves and arms is really good if you want to like go out and like never worry about dying and let you do something really dumb. Um, arms has all the talents and stuff so you can like you can grind your heart's content and not worry about dying. But they don't really feel that different in terms of like, you know, I'm using a two-handed weapon. Well, so am I, really. I mean, I just have another one. And I'd like there to be to warriors to have that flexibility back where you can use two one-handed weapons or you can use sword and board or you can use sword and board offensively instead of defensively. You do lose tankiness, but you're still using your sword and shield. I like that. I feel like it was a mistake to lose those things when they were going from warlords to uh, um, to, to legion. And it's funny because a lot of other classes are getting their flexibility back. Like hunters are getting their traps back, but warriors aren't getting that back because there's no real warriors aren't getting a lot. It's it's been an expansion where I haven't really even felt much like talking about it because they, they made some good moves. They 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 got the design pretty strong and then they just sort of stopped 
doing much. The tanking design is getting changes, but it's it's weird changes that I, I don't know how to elucidate properly to people because it's like, you know, well, wait for revenge to suddenly do things. Okay. I really would like to see that. That's what I would do. I would put in a spec that brought back that versatility and, and spread it out across the classes more. That That's what I would do. So as far as other classes, though, now I feel like Death Knights have what they need. I feel like Hunters, if anything, Hunters are very confused. They're not sure what to do with the three specs they have. Yeah. Um. So some classes I wouldn't. I, I, I'd give you, like, I, I actually, with Hunters, I wouldn't take away any of the Hunter specs. I think three, they should have the three that they have because they are different. But I do feel like there's design-wise, there there needs to be more. Another pass would have been nice. Paladins, I can't see giving Paladins a fourth spec. What would it be? Paladins are kind of perfect in the amount of specs they have for the roles they have. They they do a little bit of everything, really. Yeah. And and they're distinct. Like a like a holy paladin is not a prop paladin, is not a ret paladin. They're not perfect in terms of how those specs are designed, and I'm not trying to argue that they are. I'm just saying that the um, the the roles are perfectly apportioned for what they do. Paladins are a three-spec class. They should be a three-spec class. Um, whereas you, you mentioned Demon Hunters. Demon Hunters, you can do it all in two. Um, I think maybe Priests could have done it all in two. Like Shadow, yeah, and, Shadow and Holy might have worked just fine. That's and kind just, of how Discipline, like they had two with Holy and Shadow, great. And they're like, oh, we need three. Discipline, it doesn't really do anything. And then over time, you're like, uh, this spec really has to do something, doesn't it? <laughs> and that's how we got to the point we are. Whereas if it was just Holy and Shadow, that you'd have two baller specs, and Holy yeah. might have a lot of the tools that Discipline now has. Yeah, and for that matter, Shadow would have got some of them too. And Druid, um, I mean, the fact that Druid has four specs, it makes sense. Because originally, Druids had, you had Balance, so you were the DPS caster, and then you had restoration so you were the healer and then you had feral and feral feral had both cat form and bear form in it so you could either tank or you could do kitty damage just depending on which talents you took so it was kind of globbed together and it was it it really was that whole talent tree was like having two specs jammed together in one talent tree and it didn't really make any sense so it felt right when they separated it into the four specs because the druids kept everything that they're, you know, they had, but legitimately cat was its own spec and bear was its own spec. So, you, you know, you have feral and then you have guardian and guardian, the bears were their own thing. That made sense for that class because yeah, it was I, already kind of a mishmash that needed to be separated out. Yeah. I would argue that shaman are maybe i'm not arguing their specs don't need work but i'm arguing the specs fill the roles that they need to fill they do like you've got the the healing the healing shaman the restoration shaman they gotta stop using the same they gotta stop using the same word for multiple specs that's crazy yeah but yeah you've got you know enhancement for the melee and you've got elemental for range and i feel like even if you don't like how those particular specs are designed right now they do the role like you know what an elemental shaman is, it makes sense. What he's he's throwing lightning at you. You got it. An elemental shaman isn't going to walk up and hit you with a hammer or something like yeah. that. Uh, whereas, I mean, I'd I'd argue like you know, um, I'm not trying to like pick on warlocks because I don't feel like warlocks should lose anything. In fact, I feel like warlocks had their demonology spec kind of ripped apart. And the cool yeah. stuff given to another class. I was yeah. going to say, I feel like Warlocks have already lost too much. Yeah, and they so. got ripped up for Demon Hunters. And I would I would have honestly, I would have gotten rid of Demonology entirely and given them another spec to compensate for it. Something that was, because they're trying to, they tried to do that. They tried to make Demonology about controlling and summoning demons. And I get that. But it doesn't feel like to me watching demon demonology or just watching warlocks play. Warlocks have a lot of cool tools. Warlocks have a lot of stuff like the health is crazy. It's hard to kill them. There's a lot going on there, but it doesn't feel like demonology kept up with the other two specs. Like it didn't it, feel it didn't get repaired properly. Yeah, demon. I stopped playing. Like I tried it for a while and I just stopped because it's super chaotic. Like keeping track of everything you need to be doing and timing it all perfectly is a nightmare. But also, every individual thing you do feels so low impact, it's not actually fun. Yeah, I feel like one of the things I felt was that instead of doing what it didn't, like it seems to be about summoning waves of demons, about lots of demons all the time. Yeah. And I think it's like, like, it should have actually, you know what it really should have been? Go back to original World of Warcraft, the cinematic. The original opening trailer cinematic thing. That is what it should have felt like. That warlock, that forsaken who's throwing that big freaking demon up a hill when he first summons it, it comes up and goes, 
the you infernal. Know yeah. The yeah. Infernal. yeah. That's what it should have felt like. That's what demonology should be. Not I summon waves of imps. No, it's I drop that sucker on you. Deal with it. Yeah. Oh. There's also the other problem. Like when I'm playing demonology, I know that even if I have like 20 demons out there, I know that that scaling thing is in effect that everybody else sees my demons as teeny tiny. And while I'm like, yeah, I have 20 demons, but my friends all see them as like ants. I am commanding an army of ants in battle. This is stupid. <laughs> it should have been one, like one or two big infernals or abyssals or like, you know, the, the ones with giant axes. I really feel like, you know, the, the, the demonology should have like a standard demon that's almost always around. And then they should have the, oh, you know, the oh snap demon. That they drop on you and you're like, oh, what do I do about this thing? Yeah, like, we have those as cooldowns, but the Infernal is particularly terrible if you aren't expecting to, like, permanent Infernal yeah. to replace Voidwalker as your tank. And there needs to, yeah, I, I would have focused it more on one or two big demons and made them really hit. Made them feel like, you know, that cinematic moment where that guy ha already has one and then he pulls another one out. Like, it's like, oh, God. He's got him climbing up the mountain, going after that mage, and the mage's only response is to throw fire at it, because that's that's what mage throw fire at. Well, Klug, I don't know if we actually answered your question, but we certainly addressed the heck out of it. So there's that. Um, our next email is from Sevatar, who says, Seasons, greetings, watchers. As a teenager, one of my favorite tie-in literature novels was a collection of short stories called Tales from the Moss Eisley Cantina, based on the backstories of characters from that wretched hive of scum and villainy. Actually, I remember these books, and I liked them a lot. Or I remember the stories and I liked them a lot. Anyway, he says, uh, the stories were based on people like the band and the bartender, sometimes sinister, sometimes quirky and comical. As you're all talented writers at Blizzard Watch, I was wondering, now that Blizzard has its own publishing arm, if you were asked, and you should be, which minor character would you like to tackle? Cheers, Sevatar. P.S. Also wanted to express my thanks for the hours of entertainment you provide. My wife is currently undergoing treatment for ovarian cancer, and you're doing a fantastic job of keeping me entertained, distracted on the journeys to various hospitals. Well, I'm, I'm, um, cool. I'm glad that you're entertained. I'm sorry that you have to eat. Yeah. Well, um, Legion has been really effective at killing off cool characters who had potential. If I could undo Legion... I would have loved to see stories about the SI7 crew we've been hanging out with for the last couple oh, expansions. Oh, God. Did you see the bre the breakfast topic I put in? Uh, I didn't look at it, but if you're talking about... You're probably talking about the person I'm talking about who dies she, in the rogue. She snipes chain. people. Yes. Yeah. Um, it's ludicrous that they did that because she's cool. She's been around forever. She hasn't been like a majorly impactful character, but she's someone who's always been there. And she was with that cast of SI7 characters who were like the only alliance people doing anything but like that band of people i had some loud words to say when that i actually encountered that in the rogue class hall yeah. quest chain like, I, had some, not... I had some really choice words to say about that yeah like there have been a, a couple character deaths in legion like you know they're well done and, and and emotional and there's some in that one in particular i'm just like why what was the point that was so stupid that could have been anybody. You could have just made up somebody to do that. Yeah. It's like, why did you, like, Blizzard, when you, you kill the characters the vast majority of the time who actually have story potential and the people who are just existing get to keep on existing, whatever. But um, I would undo that straight up. That didn't happen. And uh, I would write stories about SI7 crew doing SI7 things. Because that's, that's never, like, going to be a major plot. You know, it's not going to be like the expansion plot, SI7 doing sneaky stuff, but it's ripe for like books and comics. I'll tell you right now who I would write. And I would write a huge, like I probably would write a 150K word novel about this character because that's how interesting I am and in, interested I am in her. Um, Joanna Blueheart. I yes. have her oh, whole yeah. life story. I got her whole life story planned out. Like when she's a kid and the orcs come and destroy her hometown and how she dedicates herself to vengeance, but she realizes vengeance doesn't solve anything. It's not about vengeance. It's about protecting your people and how she goes through the army and how she ends up commander of that, that, that post, how it gets destroyed because it does. If you actually do both horde and Alliance, the Alliance come in, kick a lot of butt, but then the horde ultimately ends up winning everything back. So, um, so it gets destroyed and she has to fall back. And now she's kind of disgraced because you don't see her again. You know, she's never popped up again ever, even though she should be constantly. Um, they keep giving, um, oh, not Admiral Taylor, the, she, the one that just lost the Skyfire. 
uh, Rogers. Yeah, you keep giving Sky Admiral Rogers all these jobs. I'm like, no, put give them to Joanna. Joanna didn't like crash the Skyfire. Like she keeps wrecking stuff. Let's let's go with Joanna. Give Joanna some more screen time. Give Joanna something to do. Especially since all these people keep dying. At this point, the Alliance military needs some seasoned commanders. I would totally I would write Joanna Blueheart's story. I would write the heck out of it. I'd also like to see something done with um she's a character who has never done anything. But she was there in vanilla and she looked different than like every other Alliance NPC and she looked super cool and everybody's like, Oh, who's she? What's she gonna do? Jess Tareth? Yes, Grand Admiral Jess Tareth. Yeah, Jess Tareth should totally... The only time she's gotten used at all is really briefly in Missa Pandaria in the opening cinematic. To, yeah, to like... And I think she maybe gave you a quest to go to Pandaria or something. She, yeah, she's the person that tells you to go out there. Like, yeah. she tells you to talk to Rel or something, yeah. But she was there in Vanilla, and she had, like, the all-white uniform and, like, dual swords. Like, oh, she's cool. She's going to do something awesome someday. No, she didn't. She didn't do anything. Dan? So, um, three people. One of them is already dead, which kind of irritates me because I wanted to know more about her. Um, Pained from Paramore. Yes. Oh my god! Oh my god! Yes. The night elf bodyguard for Jaina. My night elf warrior still goes to original Theramore. Like I take the time travel bit back, and like I have this whole thing that I'm RPing that I'm trying to talk Pained out of being there. Like, no, you really should leave. Like, trust me on this. I, I'm from the future. You have to get out of here. I was super upset when she, particularly with her in um, Tides of War, yeah. that, that she died in that attack. Because she was always this really fascinating, like, and we knew nothing what kind about of name her? is that? What does that name say about a person? Who is that? You know, and I always why wanted she, to know more. Why was uh, she with Jaina? Why, why was, she... was she with Jaina? Well, apparently she, Taronda appointed her to Jaina at the Battle of Mount Hydal and said, here, here's your night elf bodyguard. And then Payne just stayed put with Jaina. But then after that, you know, there's not, there's like little tidbits here and there that were mentioned about her, but never anything. She never got like a full story. And I kind of wish that she had, because I, again, her name is just really fascinating to me. You know what I mean? Um, And then the other two, the other two should be no surprise to anyone left and right. I want to know what their deal is. I want to know where they came from. I want to know why they're working for Rathion. What made them like decide to align with this black dragon? Why are they bodyguards? Why are they named left and right? I, I, I just, one of them is an orc and the other one is a human and they're working together. So I always found them fascinating in Miss Pandaria. And I sat there and like looked at them closely and I'm like, who are these people? It's, it's always the names that get me. If they have a good name, I want to write about them and there's nothing better than stuff like left and right or pained or, you know, just names that are kind of unique and weird. It's like whoever named these people apparently had something specific in mind for them. Like there's a reason for them to have that name. What is that reason? And that's the kind of thing that I'd like to write about, you know? I'll give you the Blue Heart thing. The reason I like Joanna Blue Heart amongst all the other reasons is that her name kind of solidifies her role in life. Yeah. Yeah. She's, you know, never going to, like, actually, she, not only is she, like, blue to the core, the whole Alliance Blue thing, but she's, you know, never going to, like, achieve what she'd liked. She's never going to save her town because it was already destroyed. So, yeah, I, I, there's these characters. There's a lot of them in WoW. You could actually, you could spend a week going around to all these, like, little places and, like, there's tons of them, like, when you do the burning crusade like there's ones in all these little towns you end up in alliance and horde alike i've always like there's the the thunderlord clan i've always been like what up what's up with the thunderlord clan man yeah you know there's so there's tons of that kind of stuff absolutely i also feel like i should mention um if you're fond of those little kind of vignette story type things that don't have anything to do with the main story you should probably check out uh they're they're reprinting them now the warcraft legends manga series all of those are like little compilation anthology things with a lot of short stories that don't necessarily involve major characters, but it's stories about like minor characters. And that's the main reason I really dug the manga and thought it was really cool. So I'm really excited that they're reprinting these. Um, and I totally recommend that people pick them up. So thanks for the questions, Avatar. Also, thoughts with your wife. I hope she pulls through. My thoughts are with her. Um, moving on. We've got an email from Swarbo of Blade Fist who says, Hello, Watchers. We know that Sargeras is a bit infatuated with Azeroth, but he still has a problem. 
his future girlfriend is kind of infected with old gods. So what is Sargeras's plan to deal with this problem? And does this strangely make his goals aligned at least partially with his brothers and sisters of the Pantheon that he killed because they were protecting Azeroth? In parentheses, his future girlfriend. Titans, apparently, they have the emotional maturity of teenagers. Swarbo of Bladefist. Um, doesn't he just want to kill Azeroth? No, there's a thing. One of the artifacts, this the uh, Scepter of Sargeras, a warlock artifact. You don't have it, I guess? Um, I have it. It's there's a whole thing involving it and how it's. You need basically... to read the book that yeah. that you unlock because okay. there's there's a story in there about how Sargeras looked into the world soul of Azeroth and it looked back and he was totally enchanted. Gross. Yeah, it's, <laughs> it is. It, it's extremely creepy. It it's, is. It's icky. Sar, Sargeras um, is a total creeper. It's not even. I like, mean, that's kind of like Twilight, where the werewolf dude like bonds with a baby and like they're destined to be wed or something. Dude, it's a baby. What's wrong yeah, with you? It's. It is. It is creepy, creepy stuff. Yeah, but um, I don't think Sargeras. People keep making the mistake of trying to like interpret Sargeras's motivations based on things like our rationality and or our scale of thought. Sargeras is possibly the size of a planet, has lived for a very long time, and is completely bonkers. So it's it's kind of like if the Joker was also Galactus. You know, he, his motivations are unthinkable and, and unfathomable. I and love that crazy. comparison. Yeah. I love that comparison. <laughs> it was always weird to me how, like, Queen Ashara was like, she's going to be Sargeras's consort. Like, he's a little big, isn't he? Well, Queen Ashar has never been anything if not sure of herself. <laughs> like, uh, yeah, there's a scale problem in Is this. Is this where we say that she's a size queen or no? No. 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 <laughs> okay, <laughs> God, in. <Anne. laughs> no. Not that Anne said that. Okay. Wow. All right. <laughs> Moving back to the part where Sargeras is the Joker and Galactus at the same time. And a it's... creeper. And a total creeper. Creeper. And a werewolf from Twilight. Yeah, well, the, the, the thing, thing is, like, you know, all of this stuff, like, all the things that Sargeras is doing, they make sense to him. But this is a guy who, when confronted by everybody he'd ever known and loved, saying, dude, dude, you've got to dial it back. His response was, okay, well, I see what you're saying. It acts to the face. You know, this is not a guy who is, you know, he has long since released his Krakens. Let me put it that way. I'm sorry, I can't recover from the size screen. <laughs> I got nothing. We just got to move on. I think we should move on. Um, let's go ahead and, you know what? Um, we don't have a lot of time left, so I'm going to skip to the last question here from Sporkles, a no Morlock on Airy Peak who says, hello, watchers who watch Blizzard with the white-hot intensity of a thousand suns. And I believe that you've actually used that in an intro before, Rossi. So, yeah. hey, good job, Sporkles. By the way, love the name. Uh, they say, I've thought about what Blizzard announced at BlizzCon, and I think there were two important announcements for the long-term future of gaming which didn't get much run. First, the teaming with DeepMind to develop better AIs for StarCraft. This will lead to much better game opponents, boss fights that adapt to the players attacking them, and more. Second, the formation of the Pro Gaming League with team structures based on pro sports leagues. If esports are to grow, there has to be more to root for than a few random players thrown together by a sponsor. In addition, the interest by current sports team owners and running teams gives the league teams with fi with financial muscle and marketing expertise standing behind them. Um, neither of those were really questions, but do you guys have anything to comment on either of those? The DeepMinds thing, I remember watching at the time, and they, they right now it is just them using StarCraft to help them, you know, create a kind of map. It's, it's a design thing. It isn't going to make stuff smarter overnight. This is a long-term thing. But it's really interesting. Um, the idea that you could actually get a, something more like an emergent AI mind from gaming, because a lot of computer processing power is being used to do all this gaming. It really was really interesting idea. I, I don't know where it's going to go. I mean, it, it's a little disturbing that we're training AIs with a war game. Yeah, well, you know, we we don't learn from our fiction, Alex. Yeah. Um, I mean, this seems like a, one of those fundamental, like, we should know better situation instead of learning from our fiction what we do is we read our fiction and go it would be great if we did that and then we make uh, it happen yeah. so yeah I'm, I'm well aware that possibly teaching computers to become artificially intelligent via starcraft games might not be the best idea long term but in terms of it making better games that certainly is one possibility um and the thing about that is like to a certain degree certain games wouldn't 
work if the boss was too intuitive and responsive. Um, tanking only works because computer, like your op, your opponent is dumb. Yeah. And he will keep hitting you. Uh, I'll, I'll use an example from today because my, my wife and I were doing um, Throne of Thunder, uh, Heroic 25. And that most of it's a joke. You can just walk through it. Dark Animus is still no joke. Man. Dark Animus. Really? Is, oh, yeah. Uh, they the, on heroic they do some nasty things they like all of them get close together and when they die they blow up and do a ton of damage right. they're throwing they're throwing that lightning attack between each other so if they're standing close to you you're getting hit by 30 of them hitting you with lightning at once yeah it's it does millions of damage it's it's not a joke we were we were managing to get around it but uh there was still a ton of damage flying around i was using every trick in the book i had to go prot to even stay alive uh we were but we were getting there um i basically had to stop because of the show but one of the things I noticed was that imagine if those guys could ignore me as the tank and go after the only person doing any DPS, my wife, the hunter. Yeah, or if could, the, the big bad dragon instantly is like, I have to kill the healer first. Yes, exactly. Well, game over. If they, if they just, you know, literally, you you if you lose the role, you basically lose, the, if it gets too hard, if they get too smart, then you basically lose the structure of an MMO. There, there has to be a certain amount of stupidity involved on the on the NPCs or you'd, part. Or you'd have to completely redesign how these roles work. Yeah. Like tanks, instead of get tanks being able to control threat, they'd be able to put massive debuffs on things that weren't attacking them. So the, if the boss turned to attack the healer instead of the tank, the, the boss now does no damage. Like you'd have to completely change the rules. And then the computer would learn how that worked. You know, so there's a lot to this idea beyond just making smarter bosses. It, it it could change the very way we play games. It occurs to me that that would be a fun spell for a class to have, like a oh, tank class. Where they do, they do have it in some games. No, no, I mean, like, you put a debuff on the mob, and if the mob stops attacking you for any reason, it takes damage. Yeah, there, there are some games that actually do it. Um, yeah? I think, I think one of the Guild Wars has something like that. Oh, yeah? Yeah, but um, I haven't... Like, I don't play a ton of MMOs because you can only play one or two at a time if you're really playing them. Yeah. I, I guess right now my MMOs of choice are WoW and, and Star, War, Star Wars, The Old Republic. So. Okay, well, the last question from Sparkles is actually a question here, who says, On another note, isn't it time for Blizzard to adjust the rewards from the world quests that give you a few blood of Sargeras's? At the Blood Trader, I can get one for less than one silver and mats. They aren't worth doing. Sparkles, no Morlock, Airy Peak. They're worth doing if you have a combat ally with the equipment that gives you gold on world quest completion. Then any world quest becomes worthwhile. Oh, yeah? Quick. How much gold does that give you? Um, I think the green quality one gives 15 gold. The blue quality one gives 25. Uh, I don't know about above that. Um, it's not a ton of gold. But if it's like a relatively quick, like kill, kill 10 pigs for a blood of cigar. It's like, yeah, all right, I'll kill 10 pigs. Whatever, it's 25 gold. I'm going to just straight up agree that they should they should change that quest and instead of making it like giving you more blood of sargeras because you know okay i've got i think i've got a few hundred blood of sargeras in my bank at this point i'm gonna just stay straight up it should be something better yeah i mean i don't disagree i i think it's a problem if i'm doing the world quest because i have a secondary thing that gives me a benefit that i want and the or, actual prize is not the prize i'm interested in or you have to get like a certain amount of quests done just to unlock the emissary and the blood of sargeras yeah. one is there so I'm like, fine, it's right here, I'll do it. Yeah, I shouldn't be like looking at quests and, and their their reward shouldn't be like chasing me away from them. And right now Blood of Sargeras does. I mean, I would like, you know, to to have more uses for it, quite frankly. I don't really because I'm not crafting heavily because I don't really want to have to invest the sheer amount of time into it that I would have to. So. Can we side note for a second here while we're on the subject of world quests? And can I ask you guys a very important question? How the heck are you supposed to do that Kirin Tor quest where you're supposed to like dash through the air or whatever? Oh my god! I like, tried how that does yesterday. that work? How does that even work? I tried to do it. I tried to do it like probably about a dozen times, and then I just threw up my hands and said, "Okay, well, I guess I'm not completing the Kirin Tor thing today." I know people who've done it, um, and I'm sure, like you know, how like, does it work? Like, what are you supposed? The guy is like so vague about it, and I'm like, okay, well, I use the dash button and get to the purple thing, and it shoots me to another purple thing. But then I start falling, and then there's nothing oh, I can do. Yeah, I just I, one of them. I managed to get to four of them. Like, I managed to dash, get shot up, dash again, get shot up again. Then I managed to fall to one that was actually way below me. Yeah. And then, but after that, he just kept teleporting me back to the thing. So yeah, I can't figure it out. Alex, do you have any suggestions other um, than just set the thing on fire and walk away from it? 
I don't do the Kieran Tor Emissary because I find all those little side activities pretty obnoxious. I, I don't mind the, the ones, walking puzzle. The ones this one that is so much. Yeah, this one is so much worse than the walking puzzle or the anything else they've ever done. This one is so amazingly like it's it's perfectly designed to make me want to destroy my computer. Okay, yeah. Alex, like, you're saying I'm sorry. I didn't mind the lay race because it's like you just run on a mount, whatever. Yeah, that one I'm okay with. Except I'm, I'm real good at the, that. The one in Azuna was bugged for like an eternity where you couldn't see the thingy, so that was annoying. And I don't mind the puzzle thing too much because like even if you're really bad at it, you can take a quick screenshot yeah. and complete it. So like that's fine. But it seemed like they kept unlocking more of these and every new activity was more obnoxious than the one before it. So it reached a point where I was like, you know what? I don't need rep. I just don't get the dashing, the air dashing thing. I just, I can't, I can't comprehend what exactly I'm supposed to be doing. If I knew what I was supposed to be doing, like if I had clear instructions for, oh, here's, you know, you go here and you hit this button or whatever. Like the first time I just straight up ran off the cliff because I figured I'd just run on air like it told me. And then I'm like, oh, wait, no, I have a button on my bar now. All right. We'll do that instead. And then I started getting zipped all over the place. And then I started falling. And then he repeatedly teleported me back. And at which point I said, you know what? I just don't need I don't need it that badly. So having, I'm going to leave. Having not even bothered with it. It's I know terrible. The, the theme with Kieran Tor activities so far have all been they're just patterns. Yeah. So I imagine if there's something with like dashing and bubbles and clouds or whatever, there's just like a pattern you have to find and like what order to do things. Having not done it at all, but the Kieran Tor stuff always seems to be centered around finding the right pattern. I don't know. It just it really was. I watched thirteen people try and play that quest, and thirteen people give up in disgust. I know some <laughs> people have done it, but I haven't seen it. Whoever just... whoever designed that one, I'm sure you had the best intentions in mind, but um. No, no, honey, no. The, 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 the chat, zone chat in Scenarian Circle the day I was doing it, someone asked, how do I do this quest? And four people responded, one of which response was, you go straight to hell and you stay there forever. <laughs> um, I follow uh, I follow Phil Kalar from Polygon on Twitter. And last night, like the middle of the night, he was like, uh, let me see if I can find it real quick and get his exact wording because it was worthwhile. Oh, really? Well, he was that on that quest, or was it on a different It quest? was about that quest specifically. Oh, okay. So, yeah. more air dash commentary, I see. Yes. Yeah. Okay, he said, help, I got like the wind daily in World of Warcraft, and suddenly I don't want Blizzard to exist as a company. <laughs> it was... That quest is really... I, I literally just threw up my hands. I'm like, you know, I'll take Enigmatic over this, because while Enigmatic is hard for me to do as a guy who can't see very well, you know what I've discovered? If I blind panic and just run like a chicken through Enigmatic, one time out of ten, I get through it. See, I just, if if I'm like really, I, I can't seem to like remember it. Most of the time I don't have any problem remembering it. But if I can't seem to remember it, I'll just hit the print screen button, take a screenshot. Well, the thing is, is that for me, the, the, the problem is, is that I can't, by the time my eye has tracked the whole thing, it's gone. Yeah. It takes me longer to track things like that. My wife has a good system where she counts the amount of, like, you know, three left, three right, three up. You know, she, yeah. she, does, she does it really well. For me, it's I, it's kind of hard unless somebody else is there doing that for me. But like I said, if I blind panic and just run through it, sometimes I get it. And that's <laughs> like, you know, that's better than nothing. All right. But, it happened. Yay. All right. Well, that wraps us up for emails, and that also wraps us up for the show. Blizzard Watch is made possible due to the generous contributions at patreon.com slash blizzardwatch, and your continued support means that this podcast site and community is able to thrive and grow. Blizzard Watch supporters enjoy exclusive benefits like early access to the podcast, a better chance at having your question answered on our podcast or the queue, and an ads-free site experience. Thank you very much, Anne. Uh, this has been the Blizzard Watch podcast. If you have a question for us, again, the podcast is podcast at blizzardwatch.com. That's the email. And we'll take pretty much any topic, any Blizzard game, whatever you want to talk about. Uh, just put, you know, podcast in the subject so we know you mean this show. Uh, this has been the Blizzard Watch podcast. Thank you very much for listening, and we will see you next week.
Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings, from premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And is all priced at 50% to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash pack for free shipping and 365-day returns. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Cats and cat owners deserve better than any old-fashioned litter. That's why I teamed up with scientists and veterinarians to create Pretty Litter. Its innovative crystal formula has superior odor control and weighs up to 80% less than clay litter. Pretty Litter even monitors health by changing colors to help detect early signs of potential illness. It's the world's smartest kitty litter. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details.